planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the program this week, is the time right for Silver Ferns coach Ruth Aiken to stand down? Should the Queensland Red Super Rugby win be ringing alarm bells ahead of the Rugby World Cup? We also hear from Richie McCaw ahead of the Tri-Nations. And rally driver Hayden Padden talks to us about one of his favourite rallies, this weekend's Rally of Whangarei. The time is right for Silver Ferns coach Ruth Aitken to stand down, says former New Zealand coach Yvonne Withering. The Silver Ferns lost the World Championship final to Australia and Singapore recently by just one goal in extra time. A reversal of last year's result at the Commonwealth Games in Delhi, where the Silver Ferns won the gold medal. The next major tournament's not until the 2014 at Glasgow Commonwealth Games. Aitken's been coach of the side since 2001, and she became the most capped international coach during the tournament. The contract expires in September, with the Silver Ferns then playing five tests in October, two against England and three against Australia. I spoke with Yvonne Willering, who was in Singapore, about how it all went wrong for the Silver Ferns and where to from here. Over the last couple of years, there has been a slight role reversal within, uh, you know, within the Silver Ferns camp. Um, you know, Waitamanu, for instance, and she's and that's been indicated fairly openly. You know, she's taken on a far more hands-on approach with the Silver Ferns. You've had Lynn Gunson, that's also been in camp with them, and she's actually travelled with them to this World Championships. And also, you have the likes of Belinda Colling who've been in. So it isn't that they're just getting the coaching from one specific person. So they have actually had quite a variety, you know, leading into this World Championships. So, you know, whether there's a change, obviously it is something that is looked at because it is a four-year cycle. And, you know, if there is going to be a change in coach, then obviously after this, uh, the 3-2 series coming up against Australia, that to me would be the time to do that because that's when, you again, you're uh, making your goals ready for the next Commonwealth Games and World Champs. Ruth has obviously been there for a, a lengthy period too, 10, 10 years or so. So now would be the, the right time to do it because presumably otherwise... Waitamanu might be sitting there saying, well, when am I going to get my shot? Yeah, I think that's the expectation that's there. And yes, you're right. And, um, you know, it's... um this happens not just with, with players, but obviously within the coaching structure as well. Maybe not even just the coach, maybe the structure that goes around it. I think that this obviously now requires a debrief process, not just from the World Championship, but, you know, from, I guess, the, yeah, in, a, in a way, the last four years and uh, progressing on from that. So, yeah, if there's going to be a change in coach, then certainly this would be the time that, um, you know, that needs to be um, looked at, really. Presumably, as a coach, too, you, you, when you look at that cycle, the, the four-year cycle, having having done, I suppose, that what Ruth has has done, and the, the number of tests, obviously passing Dame Lois Muir's record, four years might seem a, a long way away. And also, I suppose, as a coach, what well, what else have I got to achieve? <laughs> Every time you have the team goes out on court, that's a, that's a new challenge. So uh, yeah, no, nah, 
it's it's not just about the record book. It's about today as well. So you know, it's, uh, yeah, the progress that's made. Gee, the game is changing. I mean, um, obviously, obviously, '83 when the World Champs were here last. Well, what a difference! Just it's no longer just a game. It's just a, a complete event. It's indoors, you know. So the game is totally evolving. Um, probably, you know, with every game played, and uh, so. Yeah, there's lots of things that you can achieve. It isn't just about the, the result at the end of the day. Did the Silver Ferns maybe get closer than you thought they, they may have, given those two tests against Australia that we saw before the, the tournament? Yeah, to be fair, I thought that Australia certainly had the edge. Um, one, because yeah, they were looking sharp and uh, there certainly was confidence in the camp, but also they did have players available to make tactical changes. You know, we were so reliant on our main lineup, particularly in attack. So, you know, obviously we were hoping there would be no injuries and luckily there wasn't that until that final game. Um, so, yeah, I think the prediction, but, you know, obviously as, as New Zealand supporters, everyone was saying New Zealand, but I think that certainly there was just that little bit of hush, you know, wondering what was going to happen. And that's why the game against England was so important, because England really talked themselves up. You know, everyone thought that England could have been in the final, you know. And I also thought, um, I was expecting a better performance from England as well. So once we achieved that, that game, and we achieved it well, we had a good win, then certainly the confidence issue changed and it became anyone's game. Norma Plummer talked a lot uh, in the series out here uh, about that use of the the bench, and, and that certainly played a part in this this final. Uh, yeah, it did for her. I mean, I think she made two changes, and certainly the change when she put Bassett on for Cox, that was very much a tactical change. It wasn't just, uh, you know, because I mean, I know that Cox would have come right, and actually her shooting stats weren't too bad, but she had a lot of movement there. So yeah, I think she utilised that pretty well. Um, it could have also gone against her because uh, it would have been difficult for her to have actually uh, decided on that final starting lineup. whereas I guess with New Zealand, it was reasonably predictable, apart from in the defence end, where we certainly do have a number of combinations open to us. So, yeah, in that respect, um, and looking to the future, of course, you know, Australia's in a position that they've got probably more youngsters that they actually haven't put on the court on that real pressure situation, but certainly they have tasted what's required to be right up there. Ruth Aitken, did she have any other options? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, you know, and, and again, had New Zealand won, you know, it would have been really difficult to have decided who was going to be the player of the game because of the fact that every, everyone did try so hard, you know. So I don't think you can pin it down to any particular factor. The only thing was was about Casey Williams. I mean, I think it was very obvious that she was injured, which um, I think she had uh, a calf tear. Um, you know, and, and you could see that was bothering her at, at, at half time. They did a lot of work with her. But really, I believe she was required on the court uh, so because it's such a tight unit and she's such a dominant person and to be fair to her, you know, she fought right to the end and she really, you know, still tried to get those crucial intercepts for the team so it wasn't just about her but she also lifted the performance of those around her but having said that, um, they certainly did have the strength mainly well, they had it only really in the in the defence end, the attacking end you know, different shooter, different midcourt they just weren't experienced enough at this level and throughout the tournament you see that that was definitely the starting lineup and really the only attacking lineup New Zealand had. What about to the the future then? You mentioned there that Australia has plenty of, sort of those younger players that even maybe didn't get get caught time in that final. But New Zealand is there are a few ageing players in there. What therefore do the is the approach I suppose going into the the next test against Australia later this year? 
Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I mean, yeah, we've, we've spoken about retirements, and yeah, they, they certainly they are going to happen, not just from an age perspective, but also, you know, family ties, and I guess players, it isn't just about the on-court. Don't forget, there's a heck of a lot of training that goes into this, so it's about the commitment that the, these players have given to, to netball, and that's probably another reason for the disappointment, because some of the players aren't going to be there for the next World Championship. So, but I think, um, well, I'd be surprised if the players weren't going to be available for this next, like, three test series of Australia because it really was part of a five test series so you know if that does happen well you know and they do retire prior to those games you know well ooh, we could be in a bit of trouble because at the moment obviously Australia is, is going on a high and these players the newies they have seen what it's required and they've experienced it out on court because Norman Plummer did play all 12 players throughout the tournament so yeah if we have some some people um, going out of the team it is going to take a, a, a period of time for the next the next lot to come through because we haven't put that lot under pressure. It's not like we've got a New Zealand A team that has also been playing against tough opposition. I suppose, though, that the fact that the next Commonwealth Games or the next World Champs, you're talking still three, four years away, aren't you? So now, presumably, would be the time to start looking to that. Yeah, I think that everything is a four-year cycle, and uh, it is uh, certainly for the top countries. You know, some of the other countries, in South Africa, for example, you know, their preparation was only five months, and those are the sort of aspects that the, those, those countries, you know, they have to change. But certainly it's a four-year cycle, and, yeah, we'll be looking to the to the next Commonwealth Games. Um, it's interesting that the rankings, the world rankings, are not just done on the world championships. So whilst Australia is number one at the moment, you know, after the Test Series, in fact, New Zealand could become number one again but the only thing is world championships only once every four years so uh, you know that's that's just the way it is and certainly Australia can claim title to that but you know anytime we match up against Australia or any of the top four you know England or Jamaica um, there is an expectation of the win as well and that's why sometimes I say well you know the development work should really not be done in the silver ferns the development should be done in a tier that that lies beneath that. How can the Silver Ferns get themselves up there for, for, for the next those three tests against Australia, given the World Championship loss is going to be so deflating? Yeah, it is, but uh, it is still about pride and performance, you know, and they have an opportunity, uh, well, you know, if players do stay for those last three games before retiring, it's an opportunity, I guess, for them to finish on, you know, on a reasonably high note. Um, but, you know, as soon as you put on, on, on the silver fern gear, it is about pride, it's about performance. So I don't, uh, I don't uh, see that being any different. You know, certainly, um, yeah, it'll take a while to get over the, the loss. Um, but, you know, you also keep it in perspective, it was New Zealand's turn in the Commonwealth Games and you know it just here we go again one goal and this time you know Australia were the ones that came through. That's former Silver Ferns coach Yvonne Willering. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The former All Blacks coach Laurie Maines is dismissing any concern the Crusaders lost to the Queensland Reds in the Super Rugby final is an ominous sign for the All Blacks ahead of the World Cup. The former All Blacks halfback Justin Marshall says the Reds' win signals a nightmare Wallabies revival. But Maines, who coached the All Blacks to their narrow loss to South Africa in the 1995 final, doesn't put any store in the result. Many of those individual players and the Crusaders and the team itself uh, had a really bad off night, and uh, that, you know that certainly wouldn't be repeated. And those players have had a they had a black jersey on. Uh, they just wouldn't wouldn't repeat that performance. No, I wouldn't read anything into it at all. 
Do you think it may have given Robbie Deans uh, any insights at all? I mean, that while the Crusaders' scrum was obviously strong, the line-out was uh, a bit wobbly. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I, you know, I don't know the cause for the wobbly line-out, uh, but um, that that isn't typical. And no, it wouldn't give Robbie Deans any anything to read as far as the All Blacks are concerned. What it, what it would do, though, is give him some confidence that uh, a number of those Reds players are probably ready to step up to the next level. That that would be the positive he would get out of it. And maybe just generally on that, that All Black squad that's been named, Laurie, uh, surprises over who has been included or, or not been in, included? Oh, I'm surprised Sean Maitland hasn't been included and a little bit surprised Robbie Fruin hasn't. But there isn't room to get everybody in and the selectors know what skill set they're looking for in players, so... Uh, that probably answers that one. And very pleased, and not surprised at all, and very pleased to see Jared Hawata in there. Uh, I think he's, you know, been right up there among the, the very best locks in, in, the, in Super Rugby, and so that is well deserved. Uh, Steve Hansen made the comment that they see him as, as Brad Thorne-like, uh, obviously um, a, a compliment. But did you see him as possibly being the, the next Brad Thorne? I, I do. Uh, provided Jared can uh, carry on with his improvement, he he made huge strides this year under Jamie Joseph by getting some accurate direction and and uh, method in in the way he plays. And if that improvement uh, continues, I I could see him in that filling that Bradthorn role in the years to come. I suppose we we look at the the danger still though, as if the likes of Richie McCaw or Dan Carter go down, that's still uh, an area for concern. Well, it is. I, I personally have a great deal of confidence in Colin Slade's ability. Um, I, I think he's the, the the best possible replacement for Dan Carter. Plays the same way and has the same understanding of the game. Um, if Richie goes down, yes, it is a, a bit of a concern, but one or two players like Matt Todd, uh, Liam Messam, uh, you know, ha- have really stepped up another gear this year and... Uh, I, you know, I, th- I think there is a replacement. And Adam Thompson has played so well in Super Rugby this year. Don't altogether like him as a as an open side, but um, so from that point of view, I guess if I was a selectors, I'd I'd be having another open side floating around the squad. Were you surprised at all by the the South Africans and their uh, decision to to rest twenty one players or or in, uh, in twenty one injured players? Yeah, I'm surprised they've got so many injured. I'll put it that way. Um, and, and and I think it'll, you know, they'll only be injured for the duration of the New Zealand and Australian legs. I think you'll find that they'll be back ready to play by the time Australia and New Zealand go to South Africa. Read into it what you like. It's probably smart tactics. And I just don't think New Zealand's in a position to be critical given what we did with Super Rugby prior to the last World Cup. You, you look at that sort of whole rotation policy type thing, do you think the South Africans might get more out of it with it, given they've generally maybe more of an ageing squad? It may well serve them better. Well, I think before the 2007 World Cup, they did a similar thing, and, and it obviously paid dividends for them. And in this occasion, what they've done with a lot of those uh, senior, and you want to call them ageing players, who have done a lot of travel, uh, they're just, you know, giving them a bit of relief from that travel between South Africa and New Zealand, which is is a bit of a grind. And uh, I I think, quite frankly, it's it's quite a smart move. 
I was talking to former All Blacks coach Laurie Maines. Meanwhile, the most talked about foot in the country has come through the Super Rugby final fine. But the All Blacks skipper Richie McCaw concedes after a limited Super Rugby campaign, he needs a few more games yet to get back to his peak. Every game, get under your belt, so you're going to be better for it. So, um, you know, hopefully have a run around next week and week after. And, you know, each time you take the field, it'll be good. I think this week, you know, uh, with the travel, we haven't been able to do any of that extra sort of work that, you know, I would like to be doing as a, um, you know, when you're getting back into it, just to keep topping up. But, um, you know, certainly from this week onwards, we'll be able to do that and hopefully get better and better. you just got to be confident in that. Would you like to have had a run at Eden Park on Sunday? <coughs> oh... Hadn't really thought about it to be honest, and you know, although I have only played a couple of games, you know, the couple of weeks away and stuff like that, and, and get into this it, it is a bit tough. So, like, in the ideal situation would be great to play all the way through, but uh, you know, we're into a test next Friday and uh, and a couple after that before another break, so um, that'll be good enough. Is Fiji a good start for that program rather than say going straight in against the South Africans? Yeah, well, I, I think so, and you know, we've got to make sure we we enter the game and and. And achieve what we want to, you know. Like we only have three or four days before training before we uh, get into that test where we've got to uh, get, you know, there's a couple of new guys or haven't been here for a while, and the rest of us that you know been obviously uh, since last year get everything sort of ticking over well because we're going to have to make sure we hit the ground running for the, for the Tri Nations, and um, you know we'll have certain goals we want to achieve, and uh, that's what we've got to make sure we do. Richard, there's a bit of a feeling that the Crusaders guys will need to be sort of managed through. The, the Tri Nations. Would you? Would it be fair to say you're the exception to that rule that you probably need as much rugby as you can get? Yeah, that'd be probably fair. Yeah, yeah. Not so much just the Crusaders. I think some of the Blues boys are the same. Um, although they had an extra week, but be silly. Like the guys could probably carry on now to give them. You know, maybe a next week off or or whatever, or um, a space somewhere is going to pay dividends down the track. And we're going to have faith in the, the fellas that are fresh and raring to go. You know, you look around the squad at 30. There's some there's some good players there that uh, we'll be able to fit in. And I think, you know, if we uh, end up, you know, in three or four weeks' time, we've got everyone back to really fresh and raring to go, and the team's ticking along good. That'll be what what you're after. But no one thing is going to suit everyone. So uh, you know, as you say, for me, I, I need to go and play and. And I'm excited about that, but for a couple of others, you know, if it means missing next week or, you know, come off the bench or something, I don't know um, what their plans are, that might be the best thing. Richie, there's been a lot of talk about new game plan and doing things differently this year. Have you been able to contribute to that or have you left that to the coach? Oh, they've done a lot of work on it, but uh, certainly during the Super Rugby, with being injured, you know, I've been able to have a few discussions and obviously observe a little bit. And I think what we've got to do is make sure... We keep building on the things that have served us pretty well, but have an understanding that the game, the way it was played in the Super Rugby, was different to last year, and we've got to make sure we keep ahead and adapt. You know, as the game changes to whatever comes up against Test Rugby, is going to be different again from the Super Super Rugby. So we've got to make sure we stay ahead, and I think that's the key. And I think it's about doing the things you can do really well, but uh, not be afraid to try some other things, and and also uh, you know play what you're allowed to play as well and I think that balance is, is you know comes through uh, hopefully experience of, of the group the management and the guys that are that, that come up with those decisions so hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get that sorted so that we've got uh, got the answers for any situation being privy to those changes how do you feel about them yeah yeah and, and a lot of them only subtle you know to be honest it's uh, oh, I think you know when you when you can see stuff can, can make a difference you, you want to you know you want to make sure you, you train it well and, and get everyone on the same page and, and
and hopefully uh, it'll, be, it'll be the stuff that we need. What's different about what the All Blacks want to do compared to maybe what you experienced with the Crusaders this year? Um, well, Test Rugby's a little bit different, and I, I think if you compare a final like last week, that's similar to a Test Rugby, because you, you get one or two chances, and if you have one or two lapses, it can be the difference in, in the game, and I think that's, that's what we're going to make sure that we have is the right way we're going to play to make the most of those opportunities and uh, and have your systems right to not give give them the chance you know for example kicking the ball aimlessly just because you're under pressure is not the answer but how you do it is, is the key and little things like that are, are stuff that you know trends of what's happened in super rugby will probably fly over no doubt into test rugby but you know you've got better players across the board perhaps as a whole and you know you have to do it better and better and I think that's that's always the challenge. There's reports that England uh, going to black jersey as their alternative strip. Did we ask about that? Just, do you have any thoughts on that? Is the black jersey anything that we should be sacred about? Well, it'd be nice that we, you know, if we can wear the black jersey every time. But the reality is, these are obviously other teams are doing this, and it's not something we can control. And if, if we all get worried about it here, then we're we've got ourselves in trouble and as I said to that crew over there um, you know, two years ago we played in France in the white jersey and had a good performance so if it comes down to what colour you wear determines how you play well we've got trouble I, I reckon and, and I think that's the attitude we've got to have and what will be will be but you know, it'd be nice to be in black but if it's not well you just get on with it That's All Black skipper Richie McCaw and you're listening to Extra Time a web only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport I'm Stephen Hewson the biggest Asia-Pacific championship field ever assembled in Northlands, contesting the International Rally of Whangarei over the weekend, with New Zealand's Hayden Patton chasing his fourth win. The rally's the fourth round of the Asia-Pacific championship and the fourth round of five rounds in the New Zealand championship, which Richard Mason leads. Patton and co-driver John Kennard won the first two rounds but missed the third and the Wairarapa because they were in the WRC production series, where they've had wins in Portugal and Argentina. Hayden Patton told Murray Williams that after a break of about six weeks, it'll be good to drive in one of his favourite events. Probably up here alongside Finland. Like I've, I've always just really enjoyed it here. And you know, Argentina, where we last year was an event where we had to take it a little bit easier and, and look after the car, whereas uh, Finland's going to be the complete opposite. So this weekend gives us a good chance to get in that mode. What makes the, the the roads up there is different? Is, how does it compare, say, with the rally New Zealand routes around the Whanga Coast and that sort of thing? All, all the New Zealand roads are, in general, reasonably smooth and fast and flowing, but uh, the great thing, that I think, that the Wangarei roads up here have is they have a lot of camber, and uh, that, that camber just allows you to carry a whole lot more corner speed, and, and basically you jump over the cambers of the, of the road, and it is you know a really cool sensation because you are carrying more corner speed than what you normally would. So you get airborne a bit. Yeah, you do from time to time, and uh, and the speeds are high, and these and there is less room for for air as well because if you get caught on the wrong side of the camber, um, that's when things can get a little interesting. Who do you see as the as the biggest threats in the uh, Asia Pacific side of things? Yeah, well, there is a few. Um, probably the ones in particular are the protons of Chris Atkinson and, and Alison McRae, but also the MRS team of uh, Katsu and, and Gaurav Gill will be very fast and then you put into the mix as well in New Zealand drivers, you know, it will be tough, but we've just got to go out there and concentrate on our own game. We've just got to keep improving. I think we've made some good steps forward with the car since we're in New Zealand, so it's just a matter of translating that into time. How hard do you think it'll be for guys like Taguchi and Gil to uh, adjust to New Zealand conditions? Well, you know, as a rally driver, you adjust to whatever the conditions may be and, and drive accordingly. And, you know, it is harder, definitely. Like, there's always that hometown advantage, and... Um, 
for us Kiwis, you know, these are the sort of roads that we're used to competing on um, all year round. So it is a little bit harder for them. Probably the most noticeable thing is the knowledge of the roads. And, and up here they do use very similar roads every year. And, and most of these guys have done these roads just as many times as what we have. So we do have an advantage, no doubt. But uh, there's no reason why an international can't win the rally. You've won up there, what, 07, 09, 2010. So a fourth one would be pretty special. Oh, definitely. It would be nice. You know, last year's win was definitely the best of all of them. It was this one that we went out and pretty much led from the from the sale of rally, whereas uh, this year it'll probably be a bit harder to do that. But the weather's going to play a part this weekend as well. So uh, I've always quite enjoyed the wet conditions, and it, it looks like it's, it, it could be wet. Those roads don't get too slippery in the wet? In the wet? No, they're pretty good, actually. There's a pretty good pace of the road. So if, if you're further down the field, they do become muddy. But up front, they're reasonably in pretty good nick. And how's the STI going? Yeah, the Savara's going really well. We're definitely learning a lot more, and since Argentina, we did another test here in New Zealand and made some further improvements on the car. And then, again, from what we learned this weekend, uh, we'll take that to film with us as well. So, you know, there, there are a couple of areas we are still working on, uh, in particular with the rear suspension and rear grip of the car. Still trying to learn how that works, but we're making progress. So, do you get involved in the suspension tuning yourself, or do you you've got someone yeah, else? Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. between uh, myself and the engineer, we. We uh, pretty much sit down and brainstorm what the car's doing and what we want it to do and then and make the steps required towards uh, getting to that. And it's feeling better now? Oh, yeah, definitely. We've been making good improvements all season. Uh, we made a good jump before Rally and Z, and then I think we've made a, another good jump now. But, you know, the proofs always want to get to the first stage and you actually see the time. So how much time do you have now between uh, between this rally and when you head off to Finland? We're away uh, Wednesday next week, so it's uh, basically straight on the plane. So uh, not not a whole lot of time, but it, that's good because it means we're, we're sort of hot out of competition when we go into Finland. Finland is synonymous with rallying. If you think rally, just, well, Sweden and to a lesser extent Finland mainly, what's it like there given the interest in the sport? Rallying's massive in Finland, and for the week of the rally, they almost closed down the, closed down the town and party and you know, the atmosphere is uh, definitely incredible and out on the stages there's certainly lots of people and, uh, you know, rallying is one of the main national sports of Finland so the country gets behind it and it, it is a, a great place to be. That's Hayden Padden talking to Murray Williams. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for this week. I'm Stephen Hewson. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.